Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. We're back. Feels like forever again once we're gone. <laughs> once we're gone, it feels like I had this four-day-long weekend and we're fucking... I don't know. It just feels like months. I don't know what the fuck it is. But we're back. We're getting right back into the groove. Uh, this week, we're going to be going over Jack Hermanson against Jack Ray Souza, which is UFC Sunrise, going down in Sunrise, Florida. Great event. Uh, we'll dig deep into that a little bit later. But we're going to be doing the casuals today with my man, Big Rob. Yeah. Hey. Um, so I'm not actually going to be showing him a video this time. I got a little bit of a debate. We're going to have a brief debate about a certain subject that's going to be very... Um, pretty much in the news throughout this fight week because of somebody who's fighting on the card. So, this guy, Greg Hardy. Have you have you ever heard of Greg Hardy? Are you a football guy? Mm. No? Okay, so he was in the NFL. I think he was like a an all-star there, or whatever the fuck they call him. I'm not okay. a big football guy anyway. But he got... Um, he He's an alleged domestic abuser. Oh. So he never got charged. Okay. The charges got dropped. Mm. But there is... Valid proof out there of him, like, mm-hmm. with bruises with the, on his girl and all that stuff, like, mm-hmm, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. NFL got rid of him immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, we want nothing to do with the scumbag, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. In comes the UFC, mm-hmm. and Greg Hardy starts training MMA, and obviously his name is going to bring headlines because he was a big football star, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think of people with a past similar to his, whether it's alleged, whatever it is, do you think that one of the more primitive sports and probably like you're if you're a fucking you know mm-hmm. a, a smart ass with like mm-hmm. you know a degree and all that stuff you're really not fighting you know what mm-hmm. i mean you're you're you know you're fight you fight because you may not have something else that's as mm-hmm. secure it's sort of like that uh, okay so i see what you're saying and it's already a hard place for him to get a job right so what do you what do you think mm, this is a tough one because like okay i i i you should give people Another chance, right? People mm-hmm. can learn and people can change, mm-hmm. right? So you can't judge people for their past. But at the same time, is this guy making money because he's a wife beater? Right? <laughs> is that what's like, going on, basically? Do you, mean like, that, do, you, do you mean that as, like, he's only in the headlines because he's a wife right? beater? Right. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, he can fight. He can fight. Yeah. Look at look at, look at the, you know, look, you know. oh, I bet he can fight he's in like, the he's ring. Not the, the funny thing is he's, like, not the greatest fighter, but he has so much power and he's okay. so big that he just, you know, bum rushes most of these dudes. In the heavyweight division, you can just come in and fucking just beat people with raw power. You don't have to be the mm-hmm. most technical mm-hmm. guy. And that's why he's made it as far as he has, you know what I mean? But now the UFC has picked him up and, you know, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, his past is his past. Um Again, guys still somehow got to make a living. It's going to be hard for, for him to sure. get any type of job. But he is still athletically gifted. Mm. He's going to take advantage of it. I, I, I'm so split on it. Like, You know, past is the past. Totally get it. And, yeah. and no one should hold him back. If I'm not mistaken, it. he shows remorse too. If okay. I'm not mistaken, so I might be completely so off on that. That's different. Right? You know? So I just don't... I, it's just you don't want to... You don't want to be like, okay, he went from <laughs> NFL... To fighting because of a fighting past of fighting as well. It was more so. No, 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 no. that's cruel. Yeah, it, it's more so. You just an athletic monster. I'm an outsider. Right? I don't I get it. No, I, no, no. I just think okay, he he, no, he got no, kicked no. out of They're this two, two because he was fighting, things, and yeah, now no, no, he's no. getting picked up for no, something for fighting. Else. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I, I, okay. I, see, I don't know how to how to really feel about it, and yeah. I'm just want to get somebody's you know outside perspective in terms of. Do you yeah. think it's okay for him to be fighting in the UFC? Do you think it's okay for the UFC to have 
hired him for his services mm. based on his touchy past. Yeah, right? Man's that's that's eat, how I right? feel, man. Man's got to eat. And again, still athletically gifted, so he's going to mm-hmm. stick around the sports room if he wants, but I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't know how I feel about it. It's, it's a tough one. I have a friend as well who's kind of in MMA and has a very touchy past as well. And I never knew knew about the touchy past mm. until like maybe two years into knowing him. Okay. And then, you know, it was it was interesting after that because he's never been bad to me. He's been the coolest fucking guy, and you would not even think that he would have a past like the past that he mm. had. And then you know, people I see on the internet are just fucking fuck that guy. Why are you hanging out with him? Blah blah blah. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just don't know. I really don't know how to feel about it. All right, let's Tough. let's end this segment with I want to show him something from our man Mike Perry, who's fighting this weekend. Uh, this is a guy that's fighting this weekend. Okay. And uh, he's very adamant. Oh wow! Yeah, let's, he's, he's. Let's get this going. It's only eight seconds. Okay. That's him trying to sell one of his fights to the media. <laughs> wow. Like, that's probably one of the greatest gifts, at least in my opinion, in terms of somebody just being so animated and just wanting to sell a fight, doesn't know what the fuck to say. Like, he can't even see you as he's talking. He's, like, stumbling over his words. He goes, motherfucker's gonna get... Die, motherfucker's gonna... I'm like, what the... <laughs> Chill out, dude. <laughs> I think, he, like, he's more likely to have a stroke. Right <laughs> just there. from that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Everybody loves this he's guy. He's twitching. I don't know. He's so funny. Probably one of the best. Let's see if we can get this going again now. Ah, like how many he killed it. cups of coffee did this guy have? Like, look uh, at him. How many snorts? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but hey, <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm sure Mike Perry's a type of you know he has a face tattoo. Yeah, you have a fa- he has yeah. his nickname tattooed over his eyebrow. You can't see it because it's pixelated as fuck. But he has yeah. platinum tattooed over his uh, no, eyebrow. This, <laughs> this guy's in it to win it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's why people love him. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow, what a character. I know. (laughs) All right. Well, that was pretty much the casuals. Thank you for your insight, as always, Big Rob. Anytime. All right. Let's fucking get into this. Uh, First, we'll go over last week's um, event, which was a slight loss. Uh, It still hurt in the end because there was one one of my Lock of the Night plays kind of shit the bed. Uh, even though I thought I had a very good read on it. So let's just go over it real quick. Uh, my first lock that I play, which was a, um, a parlay of uh, Michelle Oleksijczyk and uh, Movzar Evluev. Evluev. Still got to master that one. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I thought, you know, as long as Michelle could withstand the first two minutes, he didn't even fucking need that. Uh, he, you know, he just showed his precision striking. Uh Antigulov just got a little bit too reckless. You know, I, I could completely see why people were betting Antigulov at plus or at plus money due to the very overwhelming style that he has. And we may not have seen the most out of Michel Oleg Shejak off of his back and how he would react if he were taken down. However, you know, Antigulov just got a little bit too desperate, too crazy. Um, and Michel was able just able to, uh, or Michal, Michal Oleg uh, was able to, you know, land those uppercuts, land beautiful shots and put Antigulov out. Beautiful performance by Michel, uh, Michal, um, and uh, I look forward to seeing what's next for him, man. The light heavyweight division is a poppin', and and I'm excited. It's it was it was the glamour division of the UFC when I started getting into the UFC, um, 
And as of late, it kind of has fallen on hard times. Uh, however, you know, guys like Oleg Shajuk, um, Johnny Walker, um, I know I'm, oh, Alexander Rakic, uh, Dominic Reyes, you know, he sold a little bit of flaws in his last fight, but it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from that. Uh, but 205 is popping, and I can't wait. Uh, another addition to the UFC, Movzara Ivloev. Great performance at 145. I wouldn't mind seeing him at 135, which is where he was a champion in M1, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, you know, beautiful grinding style against Xiong Wu Choi. Um, that takedown, that first takedown that he landed in that third round was beautiful. Just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I got my man LV to fucking gift that shit for me and send it to me on Twitter, and I, I have that saved. So... Let's just leave it at that. Uh, next up, uh, my other lock of the night play that hit was Alistair Overeem. Uh, five units at minus 231, I believe it was. Um, you know, profited for 2.16 units. And it kind of, it, it was sweaty for a bit. You know, Alistair Overeem does this weird thing where he just shells up against the cage and kind of tries to let the guy gas himself out from, letting, you know, going wild and th throwing a blitz. Um, you know, I don't know how much you really need to worry about knockout power from Olenek here, but if he does that against other guys, I mean, they're going to find those holes. Stipe Miocic, I think, would have probably finished Alistair Overeem against the cage there. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a sweat, but once it got to a point where Alistair was really being himself, he just picked him apart with those knees. Beautiful, beautiful knees. Somebody said top five knees in the UFC still, and I agree with them. You know I mean, even if it's not Uberim, he's still hurting motherfuckers with those knees. Um, and yeah, that was a in my opinion, easy bet, but say what the fuck you want about that. Uh, and then that's where the you know the, the debacle comes in with the dog of the night plays and my last lock of the night play. Uh, Marcin Taibura over Shamil Abdurahimov. That one stung, man. Great odds. Minus 147 or minus 141. Gotta see it. Uh, but, you know, I thought the odds were great considering what we're getting with both guys. Uh, I thought we may have seen a little bit more of a grappling style from Taibura in terms of, you know, Shamil hasn't really shown the greatest takedown defense, even though he's a pretty good grappler himself. Uh, and I thought that Taibura would throw a little bit more activity. I, 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 I was going, I was ready to give up that first round uh, in terms of, you know, I know that Shamil is not a complete, you know, jack shit. He's not the jack shit. Like, he's actually pretty decent. Uh, and I thought at most Shamil would probably win that first round. But that tide was kind of turning in Marcin's favor when that second round started going. But all it took from Shamil was one big shot and it put Tybur on wobbly legs and that was pretty much it from there. So it shows in these heavyweight fights. I mean, one shot could change it all. Same thing could have happened to Overeem. Who knows? Alexei could have landed some weird fucking shot and completely stunned and finished Overeem. But this time it happened in the Shamil Abdurahimov fight. Unfortunate for us. Um, and then my three dog in the night plays. I'll go over those quickly. Our men... Sarakuyan against Islam Makhachev. I thought plus 350 was a great spot for a guy that showed a lot of, you know, he showed that he could make it a competitive fight, and that's kind of what it was. I don't, even though it was a 30 27 all the way around, you know, Islam Makhachev had to work for that 30 27. So uh, with Armin, I was very impressed. You know, he did a lot of good things in those grappling exchanges, but in the end, it was just Islam's uh, resilience that, that played off. Um, you know, just the better grappler, better technique. Um, and he's been at the dance for so long now, you know what I mean? So, um, I think there's a bright future for Armin Sarukuyan. Uh He's only 22. I think he's going to have a deep UFC future. Uh, and I can't wait to possibly bet him in the next fight, depending on what his matchup is like. All right. Um, next was uh, Marcelo Gohm, 0.5 units at uh, plus 225. Pavlich, you know, 
pretty much a very hesitant striker at times. Has heat in his hands, but the inactivity is what kind of swayed me onto Marcelo Gome here. Um, I was close to parlaying Sergei Pavlovich with uh, Ivlov as my lock of the night play, but after watching you know his past couple of fights, it it's kind of it, it's not really what you want to see when you're betting a guy is you know that much patience. It's it's good patience, like he's winning these fights. However. You know, a guy like Marcelo Gomes, who showed really good leg kicks in his last fight until he actually broke his foot. Um, you know, I thought it was something that Marcelo Gomes was going to be able to take advantage of with his activity. That was not the case, unfortunately. So, uh, Sergei Pavlovich lands a big shot and ends up swarming and finishing Marcelo Gomes. I'm not too mad at that 0.5 unit stab, especially with the odds being what they were. And then lastly, we had Alex De Silva, another debutant that bites the dust. He comes, he loses against Alexander Yakovlev. Um... That was a 1.5 unit bet. So that one kind of hurt too. Um, you know, one thing I said in the last couple episodes was, you know, I really want to stay away from de- betting debuting fighters. But uh, some of the the stuff and talent that you saw from Alex Silva kind of made you believe that he was something different. So, you know, tough L there. Um, you know, I'm satisfied with my arm and bet uh, considering what we got out of that plus 350. Uh but yeah, it was really the Marcin Dibora lock of the night play, uh, whiffing, that screwed up the night, minus 1.25 units on the night. That fucking sucks. That really, really stings. <laughs> um, but, you know, bad slump in the last two cards, but we got to get right back the fuck to work. And I just had a long weekend this past weekend. So I did a shitload of studying. Um, haven't made any bets this as of this minute or as of this recording. But there are a couple lines that I am very much interested in. Uh, and I think I'm going to make a bet probably later this night, if not tomorrow. I want to see where this certain line goes. And this certain line is going to kick off the card. However, I just want to give you guys my quick thoughts on UFC Sunrise. Uh, Jack Hermanson against Jacare Souza. We all know the story. Jack Hermanson finishes David Branch in less than a minute in his last fight, which was less than a month ago. Uh, and now he steps in quickly for a quick turnaround against Jacare Souza, which is easily his toughest b- fight uh, to date. So uh, I saw somebody mention a little bit earlier on Twitter that Jack Hermanson has gone from criminally underrated to vastly overrated now. You know what I mean? And I, I guess I could kind of see it a little bit. You know what I mean? I think this Jacare fight really will put us into perspective of how good Jack Hermanson actually is and if it's really his time now um, or if, you know, it is true and he is actually the shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited to find out about that. Uh, the fact that we have John Lineker against Corey Sandhagen as well, I am mm, I am so fucking hard for that shit. I'm so excited for that fight. Uh, y'all know I'm a John Lineker ride or die. Um but very intriguing fight he has against uh, an up-and-coming prospect in Corey Sandhagen here. We also got another kind of budding prospect against an old vet in Ian Kutilaba against Glover Teixeira, a line that was kind of in Ian's favor earlier this week, uh, but now it looks like it's closing and, and the line might even flip. Uh, Mike Perry against Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, we got Andre Alavsky against Augusto Sakai. Uh, the debut of Verna Jandy Robo, who is pretty uh, a very interesting prospect here. Um... Yeah, man, there's a lot that this card has to offer. Not to mention Greg Hardy, but I'm not going to talk about that fight too long. Uh, yeah, man, fucking great card. I'm excited to get shit going again this week. And I got to I gotta get my shit together. And I feel like I've put in the work this week to have the best bets possible. It might, may not be the most bets, but I'm, I'm super certain about one bet. 
And like I said, that's going to kick off our card with Court McGee and Diego Lima. <laughs> so we got uh, Court McGee currently sitting around minus 157 at Sportbet with Diego Lima at plus 143. Uh, Court McGee, you know, he's having a very up and down uh, UFC run over the past six or seven fights. You know, I mean, he lost. A, he beat Alex Garcia last time out in October, uh, but that was coming off of two losses to Ben Saunders and Sean Strickland. I went back and watched that Ben Saunders fight, and I was interested to see how Court McGee was able to lose such a fight like that. And I understand his unwillingness to want to take Ben Saunders down as much as he's as he normally takes people down. Um, however, you know Ben Saunders has a very vicious guard. He's he wants to be on his back. You know what I mean? Like he he wants these guys in uncomfortable positions so he can go for these these submissions. He's a very he's a guy that has a very active guard. So I could see Court McGee's. Uh, hesitancy to take that fight to the ground um and you know ben saunders was able kind of just to shine on the feet uh you know kind of out striking court court mcgee there um you know mcgee is a decent striker but i'd say ben saunders has a little bit more heat and more muay thai to add to that to that equation uh so i i i understand the loss to uh ben saunders there sean strickland obviously a better version of ben saunders maybe not with the same ground game but a lot harder to take down obviously um, and then Alex Garcia fight, that's kind of the fight that I expect out of Court McGee. You know what I mean? Make it a tough, gritty fight, get the takedowns, uh, land big shots from on top, stay uh, stay active enough to keep the fight in a grinding and dis- very advantageous position, and I think that's exactly what he's going to be able to do against Diego Lima here. Uh, Diego Lima, you know, coming off of a victory over Chad Lepreeze in his last fight, busting a lot of parlays and upsetting a lot of people because they laid a little bit of chalk on Chad Lepreeze, but... You know, he closed up plus 305 underdog against Chad Laprise. That's ridiculous. Um, but regardless, I do think he is still shit. Um, you know, he is a stand-up striker. So you're you're kind of fighting him at his game when you put up a guy like Chad Laprise with him. You know, I mean, you're you're making it a competitive fight because both guys are primarily strikers. Maybe Chad Laprise has a little bit of, uh, more finesse in terms of mixing things up but you know he's most comfortable in in the striking realm and obviously I think he has a big enough ego to think that he would be the better striker than Diego Lima it could have gone either way you know what I mean maybe Chad Lepreeze could have landed that big shot that put out Diego Lima but it was Lima's night that night Uh, but before that are the two prime examples of exactly why I think that Cormac McGee is going to win this fight Yushin Okami Jesse Taylor they both implemented a grapple-heavy game, and they were, and it showed. You know what I mean? Diego Lima is not the hardest guy to take down, and I think that Cormagee's pressure, um, always staying in your face, um, his ability to get the fight to the ground, especially when he gets guys up against the cage, he's able to really drag these guys to the floor, um, and then again, his top pressure. He stays active enough, and I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't believe, and I don't think that Diego Lima has really gotten anything. Um, together in terms of his takedown defense or getting up either you know Cormagee is a is a non-stop machine that guy has cardio for days so the paces that he's going to put on in the first is the same pace he's going to put on in the third and that's going to be very taxing on a Diego Lima who's just going to be fighting takedowns who's going to be fighting pressure he's not the best when he's fighting on his back foot so I think that Cormagee really has this fight in the bag and I'm surprised at some of the love that I'm seeing for Diego Lima to be honest um and that's what's making me a little bit more confident in waiting out this Court McGee line because I think it's going to get better. It was around minus 170-ish I saw yesterday. Now it's down to around minus 157. I want to see how much better it gets. You know what I mean? I'm in no rush. If it hits around minus 180 or so, I'm just going to bet it. But um, in, in hopes, well, probably I wouldn't bet it, but I would wait. Like I want to wait maybe even minus 140. 
maybe one, minus 145. I don't know what people really see in Diego Lima. Yes, sure, he's a good striker. He knocked out Chad Laprise. But again, like when you're fighting a completely different monster in Court McGee, who has a great chin, you know, got finished by Santiago Ponzinibbio, but Diego Lima is no Santiago Ponzinibbio. You know, I mean, he might land a shot, but Cormig is really good at, at keeping his composure and then getting this fight to an ad- advantageous position, which in this fight, I think he has a great um, advantage over Diego Lima here. So definitely going with Court McGee. I am lock of the night deep on his ass. Um, and I think I'm going to, I will bet him as soon as I see a line that makes me want to pull the trigger right away. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take Diego Lima, or sorry, I'm going to take Court McGee by decision. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a finish either, but I'm not confident in betting an in, dis- in the distance uh, prop. So yeah, Court McGee by decision. Fuck. That one was, that one, that one had me a little bit fired up. I don't know why. Anyway, let's move the fuck along. Angela Hill versus Jody Escobar. So Angela Hill has a relatively quick turnaround. She fought uh, March 23rd, where I bet her as a lock of the night play. And we're not going to talk about it anymore because I don't give a fuck. She lost to Randall Marcos by initiating the same game plan that Randall Marcos probably wanted. And she paid for it. She got on board. Uh, before that, she lost a split decision to Courtney Casey uh, and then won a decision over Marina Moroz before that. She's going up against Jody Escobar here, who's coming off a loss to, who did I see? Uh, Jessica Aguilar. And then before that, she had her UFC debut against Karolina Kowalkiewicz. Um, this is going to be a stand-up fight. Let's be real. I know Deanna Bennett likes her, uh, her boxing. and She's pretty crisp with it. Uh, has a great jab. Uh, you know, at times shows good uh, consistency and pace. Uh, Angela Hill has more tools in the shed, in my opinion. Um, the minus 300 line that I saw her at is definitely a little bit overblown, and I think that might be the parlay buster this ra- this time around. Because um, Jody Escobar, you know, with her pace and her boxing, she could probably stifle Angela Hill here. Um, but Hill, you know, great striker, um, at least in terms of Muay Thai, uh, good kicks, uh, good consistency, good movement. That might be what screws Jody Escobar up as well. Um, you know, Jody Escobar might be missing a lot here. I mean, Angela Hill is going to be consistently moving, be able to throw her shots and get out. Uh, she's going to have a, a length advantage as well here too, so that could definitely play into play into it here. But I don't know, man. I, I just don't feel comfortable playing Angela Hill at minus 300 or even using her as a parlay piece. So good luck to anybody that better, but fuck, man. She really burned me last time around, and I think I just have hurt feelings. But um, it's tough for me to play Angela Hill here. Um, I will pick her to win. But again, I just wouldn't consider it as a bet. Um, I'm going to say Angela Hill by decision. Next up, we got Jim Miller versus Jason Gonzalez. Poor, poor Jason Gonzalez. Last time out, he was put up against pretty much a death sentence (laughs) against uh, Gregory Gillespie. Nobody wants to fight Gregory Gillespie. He eventually got... Uh, triangle choked in the second round. Uh, before that, he beat J.C. Cottrell, not UFC level. Uh, and then before that, he lost to Drew Dober, who's definitely showing a little bit better uh, talents and skills recently. So whatever, Drew Dober, Gregor Gillespie, you know, not losses to really blink your eyes at. But this is a fight that he really needs to win. In comes Jim Miller, veteran, putting Jason Gonzalez to the test. Um, one thing I like about Gonzalez is he has a lot of length. He Sometimes he's able to use it well, but when guys really close the distance and try to get this fight to the ground, they're very successful. Um, obviously, you can say that about Gregor Gillespie because he's probably one of the greatest, if not the best wrestler in the UFC right now. 
Khabib may have something to say about that, but that is a fight that I would love to see in the future, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, getting right to it, you know, um, I think Jason Gonzalez has the power to hurt Jim Miller, uh, but I think that Jim Miller has the greediness to possibly take this fight to the ground. Um, I would possibly consider Jim Miller if he was plus money, but he's, you know, a pretty decent favorite at minus 137 right now in sport bet. Uh, so this might be a pass fight for me because you don't know when that age is really going to show up. You know, um, Jason Gonzalez could land the, pre- like the, the, the perfect shot to put Jim Miller out. Um, but in the same token, you know, Jim Miller could probably get a hold of Jason Gonzalez, drag this fight to the ground, and work for a submission. I definitely think he's the better submission artist here. Um, but, you know, Jim Miller knocked out by Dan Hooker back in April of 2018. Uh, and that's really the only time he's been knocked out. He got choked out in his last fight against Charles Oliveira back in December. Um, fuck. I, I, I'm going to go with J- uh, Jim Miller here. Um, I just think he finds this way to finds a way to get this fight to the ground uh, and finish Jason Gonzalez via, via uh, choke. I just want to have a quick look at the Miller inside the distance odds. Miller inside the distance is plus one sixty five. That's intriguing, <laughs> but that is something I'll look into a little bit more. But I'm going to say on the podcast I'm going to pick Jim Miller by decision. Oh, sorry, by submission. Uh, second round. Let's move this bitch along. Gilbert Burns versus Mike Davis. Gilbert Burns is coming off a decision victory over Olivier Albon Mercier in a fight that he really impressed me. Um, that was a fight where I thought OAM was going to have the advantage everywhere and except jiu-jitsu, but good enough jiu-jitsu to stay out of any submissions and any bad, you know, um, positions. Uh... However, Gilbert Burns comes out here and completely tees off on Olivier Walmersy and hurting him numerous occasions and pretty much controlling that fight wherever the fuck it went. I was very, very surprised and very impressed by Gilbert Burns. Another thing was he's always shown issues with his cardio, but it seemed like it was decent in this last fight. Um, he has a pretty decent test coming up in Mike Davis, who's going to be making his UFC debut. Uh, decent all-around guy. You know, he's only he's 7-1, so he's still relatively green. Um... But he's shown, you know, he has shown some improvements, uh, especially since that fight against Sodiq Yusuf on the Contender Series. That was a great fight. Sodiq Yusuf is just a beast, though. You know what I mean? Uh, This time in the last two fights against Elvin Leon Brito and Carlos Guerra, uh, showed great striking, uh, great awareness on the ground, too. I was very impressed with them there. But uh, I think this just might be an experience thing here. I think the bright lights are going to get to Mike Davis. Like I said, debuting fighters in the UFC have not been doing the hottest. Uh, You know, a guy who's been showing as many improvements as Gilbert Burns and has the grappling credentials that he has, uh, I think this is a very tough test for Mike Mike Davis right off the bat. And I think that Gilbert Burns is kind of deserving of the minus 240-ish range that he's in. Uh, So I wouldn't be completely mad at a Mike Davis dog play on some people. Uh, But my my bet's actually going to be Gilbert Burns by, uh, by submission here. Uh, I think he somehow rocks Mike Davis on the feet, gets the fight to the ground, and submits him. But uh, I'd have to look into a little bit more, but this fight just doesn't intrigue me in terms of uh, uh, picking a side for betting. But I'm going to take Gilbert Burns by second-round submission. Uh, I think he catches Mike Davis and puts him to sleep. With a joke. (laughs) All right, next up we got Carlos Sparza versus Verna Jandiroba. Don't peep the... uh, the visual 
enhancements I needed to make myself because they haven't updated the UFC website yet. But uh, we got debuting Verna Jandiroba, who is replacing... Who is she replacing? Carla Espinosa was supposed to fight Livier Hanata Souza. So in steps Verna Jandiroba, the champion over in Invicta FC. She's just been rolling through the competition at Strawweight there. Um, she is a very intriguing prospect here. She comes in at 14-0, um, has beautiful jiu-jitsu, um, could maybe eventually just find herself being named like the, the Damian Maya of that division. She's she's very good on the ground. I'm very impressed with her. Uh, my, my one concern is how is she going to get this fight to the ground? You know, Carla Sparza, say what you want about her, but she has decent grappling. Um, you know, she showed her grappling prowess against uh, Cynthia Calvillo. Um, very iffy decision against Randa Marcos, which she lost. Um, but, you know, she got completely outclassed by Tatiana Suarez in her last fight. Uh, lost a split decision to Claudia Godilla in a fight that she probably could have won too. You know, she has good cardio. Um, she's a good grappler. I think she's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. Then it really comes down to the striking end. <coughs> I kind of have to give the slight advantage to Carlos Esparza here in the striking, um, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think Carlos Esparza is a slight uh, underdog right now, too. Yeah, plus 113. Um, yeah, man, I... If if Claudia... Or Claudia... If Carlos Esparza finds herself in a clinch situation against the cage, I think she needs to get the fuck away ASAP, because even if Verna is able to grab like a leg, I think she might be able to pull her down. But... You know, in the open cage, you know, closing the distance, I think it's going to be a little bit of a tough task for Verna here. Um, oh, man. I want to take... So today, Tuesday of fight week, I want to take Carlos Esparza by decision. I think she keeps it on the feet and just kind of outworks Verna on, in the striking. But uh, if I look into a little bit more, my options might change. So make sure you guys peep the timeline on Twitter uh, to see if my mind has changed in, uh, for that in any way. But uh, on today, from everything that I've seen thus far, um, I got to go with Carla Esparza by decision. Um, but I'm very, 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 very intrigued with Verna. And I think that she could, you know, if she could really find ways to close the, the distance uh, against these girls. She can make a name for herself and she could find herself in the top 10 with just her jiu-jitsu alone. But I'm taking Carla, Carla Esparza by decision here. It's just the uncertainty of Verna being able to get this fight to the ground. That's the main thing in that fight. And I'm going to say that she's not able to. All right, next up, we got Augusto Sakai versus Andre Arlovsky. This is a potential dog of the night bet for me. Uh, Andre Arlovsky currently at plus 123. Uh, he's coming off of three losses now uh, to Tai Tuivasa, uh, Shamil Abdurrahimov, and Walt Harris. In a time where people thought that Andrei Arlovsky's chin was gone, he's been able to. He's shown that he's able to still go 15 minutes with some deep, pretty heavy striker tied to Ivasa. Walt Harris has some heat on his shots. Shamil Abdurrahimov is starting to show his heat after he just knocked off, knocked out Martin Tybura. So he's shown that he has a bit of a chin still, and Augusto Sakai has shown that he's you know 12 and one. Okay, cool, but some of his striking is very very poor. <laughs> Um, I think that, you know, Andre Arlovsky has made a name off himself just from the, just from the, 
his his boxing prowess alone. And I think that might be enough for him here against uh, Augusto Sakai, who just doesn't throw with much volume. You know, he got a ground and pound finish over Chase Sherman in his last fight, but Chase Sherman was having a lot of success there. Um, I think that Andre Olovsky is going to be able to um, outwork Augusto here, maybe even hurt him, maybe even get a finish. Um, and, and, and I like Andre Olovsky at dog odds here. His chin is held up, so there's nothing to really worry about there. Um, you know, I know Augusto Sukai has finished his last three opponents, but, you know, Taito Vaso was just knocking motherfuckers out before. Um, Walt Harris was having a lot of success with his hands, too. But uh, Andre Olovsky was able to kind of withstand all those. So I'm going to go with Andre Olovsky here by, let's say, second round TKO. Um, but I, I think he's a live dog here. I think he's one of the more live dogs on the card. And I definitely am considering him for a bet. Want to see where the line goes. Um, maybe plus 40, plus 140-ish. But uh, I would probably bet it even lower than that. I just want to see how this this week plays out with the odds shifting. Uh, but I do like Andre Olovsky here. Just a more polished striker. The veteran. You know, I think Augusto Sakai might even succumb to some of the, the, the pressures of the brighter lights and fighting a name like Andre Arlovsky. You know, the biggest name he's fought is Czech Congo and Bellator, which is where he lost a split decision. Chase Sherman. <laughs> so I'm going with Andre Arlovsky here by second round TKO uh, and definitely considering him for a bet. Next up, we got uh, Takashi Sato versus Ben Saunders. Starting off with Ben Saunders, he's coming off of two straight losses, two straight finishes as well, uh, to Sergio Moraes by arm triangle choke in a fight I believe I had the fight doesn't go to decision, and against Lyman Good in another fight I believe I had the fight doesn't go to decision. I <laughs> uh, got knocked out by Good and submitted by Sergio Moraes. He has a very intriguing opponent here in Takashi, Takashi Sato, who's making his UFC debut. So if Again, if trends have told us anything, Takashi Sato is in the in the in, is kind of in some shit uh, as being as a debuting UFC fighter. So, uh, you, you know what we're getting from Ben Ben Saunders loves using his Muay Thai, loves using elbows, knees, kicks, very heavy kicker. Um, and then if the fight goes to the floor, he's comfortable there too. So, um, his issue has his, has been his chin. Uh, if guys are able to muster off enough energy and hit the spot properly, they're going to put him out. And I think Takashi Sato has the ability to do that. Um, ben Sonner is a pretty heavy f- underdog right now, plus 186. But it's just always tough for me to to trust Ben Sonner's chin. So anytime I've really bet his fights, I've bet the fight doesn't go to decision. And it's been more profitable than not. However, this time around, I think we're sitting at it like plus 320-ish uh, against Sato in terms of a fight doesn't go to decision. So I don't know if it's worth it to even bet that here. Um, yeah, man, I, I can never trust Ben Sonner's, especially with that chin. Takashi Sato is a heavy striker as well. You know, he's rocked plenty of guys. He had a very, very, very fun fight with Gladko uh, Franca in his last, or second last fight. Uh, but he beat Matt Vale last time around. Uh, great fight there. You know, showed a lot of resilience. He was hurt in that fight. Uh, managed to get his wits about him and come back and finish Matt. Um, but here, uh, if if Ben Saunders is able to get this fight to the ground, I think it's going to get very interesting, especially with Saunders being such a big guy at this weight class. Um, but I'm going to go with Sato. I think that Sato catches uh, Ben Saunders' chin, uh, puts him out, um, and is a decent UFC debut. But again, he's in the minority here. And usually guys that are UFC debutants don't do that well. So I wouldn't bet on this fight, especially at minus 220. I think that's too much juice on Sato. So I'm going to be passing on that fight, but I'm going to take Sato by first round finish. 
Next up, we got a very hot prospect in Ro- Roosevelt Roberts against a UFC debutant in Thomas Gifford. So starting off with uh, Roosevelt Roberts, uh, this is going to be his second fight in the UFC before he came out and beat Daryl Horcher um, back in November with a standing guillotine choke. Uh, this guy has a lot of chokes on his record. Rear naked choke, guillotine choke, guillotine choke. He's, he's like long, nimble, and like lanky, and is able to get his hands into, or his, his forearm into these places to get these chokes. And it's it's very impressive. Um, he seems comfortable on, enough on the feet to where he's getting comfortable with using his range because he is a very rangy guy at this weight class. Um, and I think it might give Gifford a little bit of issues, who in his own right is a little bit lanky too. Um, I just think that Roberts has a better has better awareness on the ground, and I think that's where this fight is kind of going to get played out. Um, and I think that Roosevelt Roberts is going to be able to catch a choke here. Um, yeah, I don't have too much to say about that because Roosevelt Roberts is like minus four hundred area. I'm not I'm not completely sold at minus four hundred, and even as a parlay piece, you know, I may have missed the boat at like the minus. 280 minus 300 range but uh i'm, I'm gonna pass on this fight in total and i think that Ro- roosevelt roberts is the real deal here real deal here um and yeah i'm gonna take him uh by choke in the first round yeah not too much on that fight next up we got johnny hands of stone lineker my pro- probably my favorite fighter in the ufc against Corey sandhagen this is a fight that's been falling through a couple times now. Uh, but now we finally get it this week. And hopefully, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens between now and then. But I'm very much looking forward to this fight. Uh, John Lineker is coming off a brutal finish of Brian Kelleher last time around. He fought in May of 2018 at UFC 224. Feels like fucking forever. It's almost it's closing in on a month or a year for him to have fought. Yeah, it's going to be like two weeks shy of a year. But uh, he and he comes against Brian Kelleher, and he fights. Uh, you know, he fights a really good fight in that. Brian Kelleher is kind of known as a, a guy that with decent movement is able to pick his shots and get out of the way. But when you have a guy that has relentless pressure and bombs coming your way, like John Lineker, it's gonna that is definitely gonna catch up to you. You know, and the one thing that is just not talked about enough, in my opinion, is the way that John Lineker is able to mix up his shots to the body. Fucking beautiful work, like. Amazing work. Um, I'm very impressed with, you know, the guy's head is always a little bit out of the way, and especially with John Lickner having a size deficiency against a lot of these guys or a size disadvantage against a lot of these guys. You know, he's got to look for body work, and, and he shows it in these fights where guys are kind of like trying to um, pivot out of the way or or just, you know, sh- strafe out of the way, get out of the way of some of these shots. Um John Lineker just starts tagging the body and it just it starts to pile up, it starts to add up, and then he's able to set up the shots that are going to the head. And Corey Sandhagen needs to be on, he needs to mind all of his P's, all of his Q's, cross all of his T's, dot all of his I's. Because one is all it takes from John Lineker sometimes. And fuck man. It's a very intriguing fight. Like odds are right now at minus one twenty seven Lineker plus one thirteen Sandhagen. If that line flips, I will throw a little bit of money on John Lineker because I think, like, he always has a fucking chance. You know what I mean? Like, with his style, with his pressure, with his heat, people will eventually break. Like, he, his will is not going to break. That TJ Dillashaw fight, you know what I mean? I, I can't remember exactly when he broke his jaw in the fight, but he had a broken jaw in that fight and still kept coming forward. You know what I mean? He's a fucking beast. He is the fighter that every fighter wants to be when they get into that cage. 
but you know sometimes he's just too one dimensional. But against certain guys, I think you know Corey Sandigan, who likes to keep most fights on the feet. I think he's going to have a lot of trouble getting John John Lineker down here, and I don't think he'll successfully successfully be able to. And definitely his his path to victories here is just sticking and moving, sticking and moving, and hoping that whatever shot John Lineker is eventually going to land doesn't land clean enough to put him out. Uh, but fuck, I I can't I can't ever pick against John Lineker, and that's just like a that may be a biased thing, but who gives a fuck? This is my show, so I'm going to be biased. I'm going to pick John Lineker by by decision here. I'll give Corey Sandhagen the benefit of the doubt in terms of being a little bit being tough, uh, but I think that John Lineker wins this fight, again, by by consistently pressuring Corey Sandhagen, getting him in bad positions against the cage, uh, landing big enough shots, and slowly, you know, slowing down the Corey Sandhagen uh, movement, stick-and-move game plan that I believe he's going to come in with. Uh, definitely a huge path to victory for Corey Sandhagen here. So I'm not, I'm not mad at seeing anybody who's betting on Sandhagen. Uh, but I don't know, man. John Linker is just another fucking animal. TJ Dillashaw just kind of had his number. I th- somebody has to put an EPO level TJ Dillashaw performance together to beat a guy like John Linker. So I'm going to take John Linker here by decision. Um, will possibly consider it as a bet if he hits plus money. I don't think that will happen. Um, but it's definitely a line that I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, but I don't hate anybody picking Corey Sandhagen either. So all all props to you if you're betting Corey Sandhagen here. But I'm on the John Lineker fucking train. I think he's going to win by a decision. Uh, and yeah, just continues to... And again, he's working on an American top team as well now. So like, I think he's doing that for the last couple of uh, couple camps. But, you know, they always come up with great game plans. And even though everybody already knows what John Lineker's game plan is, I'm sure he can make a little bit of tweaks that ATT can be accredited with uh, that will make him even more effective with the the pressure style, heavy hitter style that he has. But I'm going to take John Lineker by decision. Next up, we got Glover Teixeira against Ian Kutilaba. Uh, this fight was booked way back in January. Unfortunately, Glover Teixeira had to pull out. Was it Glover? No, Ian Kutilaba had to pull out, and then Glover fought Carl Robertson that night. Um, but this is this is a, an intriguing fight. Another fight uh, where a young upstart or youngish upstart is going up against a grizzled vet. Um, Ian Kutilaba, the Hulk, you know, has a very striking, heavy style. Um, showed good get-ups against Antigulov, who was very desperate to get the fight to the ground, but just was not able to keep Kutilaba down. Uh, and then eventually, you know, Antigulov just gassed, and Kutilaba was able to put him out. Um, fuck. Um, Ian Kutilaba could easily land on Glover Teixeira and put him out here. Uh, I'm not... I don't think that's the likely, likely outcome. I think that Glover Teixeira is going to be able to get his hands on Ian Kutilaba um, and get this fight to the ground and end it with a submission. I'm very intrigued with what the the Glover to share by submission prop is going to look like because I might stab that depending on what it's roughly at. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that Glover will get this fight to the ground. I think that there is a reason that the line is closing because Glover is a slight favorite now. Minus 112 to minus 102 to Ian uh, on sport bet. So I'm thinking people are slowly starting to warm up to the fact that Glover to share, you know, shouldn't completely be written off. You know, in his last fight, he was able to survive a huge swarm by Carl Robertson. He was out, but he eventually got his shit back together, got the fight to where he wanted to. Um, I think Ian Kutalaba maybe would have finished him in that scenario, uh, but 
you know, Glover Teixeira is a big, strong dude, and I think he he has a good way of getting this getting fights to the ground. Um, and then he's very well versed on the floor. I think he has a better top game top game than Antagulov as well. So I I don't know if Kutilabo will have as easy of a time getting up. Uh, but you know, he he got outworked by Corey Anderson. Uh, Glover got outworked by Corey Anderson in his last loss. Uh, you know, before that, he showed his grappling dominance against Misha Serkinov, who is a grappling wizard himself almost. Uh, you know, got outstruck by Alexander Gustafsson, uh, beat Jared Cannonier with, you know, more of a grinding um, grappling style, uh, and then got knocked the fuck out by Anthony Johnson in 13 seconds way back in August of 2016. So I think with Glover here, again, his path to victory, get this fight to the ground as soon as possible and look for a submission, look to hurt Eon on top. Suck it out of him a little bit in terms of his gas tank, uh, and then get the finish. Uh, but I think there's a very good likelihood that Ian Kutalaba could catch Glover Tishir before he's able to get this fight to the ground and pretty much hurt him and put him out. But um, yeah, I uh, it's been two years since Glover's been knocked out. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Glover here. You know his. His kind, his striking is kind of rudimentary. Like there are only like two or three shots that he kind of looks for normally, but it's just enough to like keep him, uh, keep him from being able to keep get him to close the distance and then get this fight to the ground. And I think he's going to be able to do that. And again, with that berserker style like Kutalaba, I think Glover is going to have a perfect uh, level change to be able to get this fight to the ground and then get the submission victory. Um, yeah, the, I, I think the line flip is very just here, um, but. The sub prop is definitely what I'm looking at. So if you guys see that at a good range and think you want to sprinkle a little bit on there, I would suggest it. I'm hoping, I'm hoping and hoping that, or is at least better than plus 400. That's what I'm looking at. If I can get plus 400 on it, I might throw 0.25 units on it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Glover by sub, let's say a second round. I love the second round for some reason, but. I think that's where guys are able to like really implement what they need to do to win because they're able to withstand that first round um, and then kind of get a feel of how the fighter, how their opponent is reacting to certain things and then they're able to implement, you know, the, the type of finish that they're looking for. All right, next up, we got a fucking banger. I don't know how I can technically break this fight down because I don't think it's going to be very technical at all. Um, Alex Oliveira versus Mike Perry. Uh... Mike Perry steps in for Li Jing Liang, who had to pull out due to an injury. Um, and I'm super excited. Like, this is one of the few times where if a fight falls out, the replacement is slightly more entertaining uh, than the actual fight that we're going to get. So even though Mike Perry is coming off a loss to Donald Cerrone, you know, everybody wants to see this fucking fight. Alex Oliveira is, in on, you know, he's he lost to Gunnar Nelson his last time out. Uh, before that, he was able to finish Carlos Conda and Carlo Pedersoli. Um this is going to be fireworks, man. I think the Cowboy Oliveira is Cowboy Oliveira is definitely the more uh, technical guy here. I think that he has the advantage almost everywhere, but it's just that Mike Perry style of just throwing heaters and throwing bombs that could uh, definitely disrupt it for Cowboy Oliveira. I think that this is a fight where Cowboy is going to mind his p's and q's. I think he'll still be able to land good shots. I think he's going to get he's going to look to get this fight to the ground. I think that's where he sees his his advantages, and I truly believe that uh, he could take advantage of Mike Perry here. You know, Mike Perry got submitted in his last fight against Dallas Cerrone, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying 
a cowboy has the 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 jiu-jitsu of a cowboy Cerrone, but I think he's good enough in the jiu-jitsu game to be able to get submissions. You know, he was able to submit Carlos uh, Carlos Condit, uh, Tim Means. Um, you know, he's had success there, and I I think he's intelligent enough to know that he needs to get this fight to the ground. So I think we might see them fuck around on the feet for a little bit, but I think that when, you know, it really starts to set in for Alex Cowboy Oliveira, it might be halfway through the first round where he's going to start shooting for takedowns, get this fight to the ground, and try to control Mike Perry, where, you know, we know that's the weakest part of Mike Perry's game. Um, so I think we're going to get a submission finish for uh, Cowboy Oliveira. Another submission prop I might look into, you know. Um, yeah, very intrigued by how this fight's going to go, but I got I got Cowboy. Uh, first round submission. A war for as long as it lasts, but I think that Cowboy eventually looks for the takedown and gets a submission victory. Let's see. Cowboy in the distance right now sits at... Come on. Cowboy in the distance... Minus one thirteen. So maybe the sub proper would be slightly better, but I'll take a look at that when that shit comes out. All right. Next up, we got Greg Hardy against Dmitry Smolyakov. I'm not gonna take too long fucking going over this fight. Like me and my man Big Rob had a discussion about you know whether Greg Hardy should even be fighting in the UFC or not earlier in the episode. So make sure you guys you know rewind and check that out if you guys just skipped over to this fight. But we know what's good with Greg Hardy. Uh, he came out. And lost to Alan Carter via illegal knee. Uh, we saw how bad it could get for Greg Hardy if this, if any fight gets past like three minutes or four minutes, because he's going to be throwing heat all three minutes. And if he is not able to knock you out, like he was not able to knock out Alan Crowder, gets very very ugly. Luckily for him, there's another guy that's kind of like that too, in Dmitry Smolyakov, nine and two. You know, one of the one of the badder fighters or one of the worst fighters in the UFC's heavyweight division. Uh, so they're kind of like a match made in heaven, but they're getting way too much shine due to Greg Hardy's um, name. Let's just put it that way. But this is going to be an ugly fight. This fight is definitely, you know, not going to decision. Uh, Dimitri and fucking Greg are just going to throw bombs at each other. I don't know if Greg Hardy ever deserves to be a minus 300 against anybody again, but then again... Dmitry Smolyakov has a loss to fucking Cyril Asker. And if you guys have been watching this podcast for a while now or listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about fucking Cyril Asker. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you can't feel comfortable betting Greg Hardy or using him as a parlay piece anymore. You know, he yeah, he by all means, he could probably just come in here and absolutely dust Dmitry Smolyakov. But I'm not willing to trust in him to come through as one of my legs in one of my parlays. But obviously, you know, if you want to throw something from this fight into a parlay, it's the fight doesn't go to decision, which is probably around minus 500 or some shit right now. But these guys are not seeing 15 minutes. Let's be absolutely real. Somebody's going to die from exhaustion or somebody's going to get knocked the fuck out. <laughs> I'm going to go with Greg Hardy. I just, I don't know. Quicker, faster guy. Um, and Smolyakov is just a fucking joke. Let's be real. So Greg Hardy, first round KO. Done and done. All right, main event, motherfucking time. Super excited for this one. We got Jacare Souza versus Jack Hermanson. Jacare Souza coming off a victory over Chris Weidman at UFC 230 back in November. Um, a fight that was very close. Second round was close. I think that Weidman won the first. Uh, Jacare could possibly have won the second. Uh, but that third round, man, that 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 was nuts. Jacare really just fucking bit down his mouthpiece, threw haymakers, eventually was able to rustle. 
uh, Chris Weidman and then landed a big shot to his forehead, which like I've tweeted it out before, but it looks like somebody strapped a fucking magnet to Chris Weidman's back and it just sucked him into the canvas. And yeah, it's just huge power from Jacare Souza there. Another thing that he showed in that fight that was very impressive was his left hook to the body. Beautiful. Whenever Chris Weidman was circling out, he was able to land that as kind of like a while they're disengaging. But he's always able to land a power shot to the body. And I think that might be a big uh, factor here with against Jack Manson as well, who has decent movement himself. Um, you know, we all know what Jacare is good at. We all know what he brings to the table with his jiu-jitsu, but he is slowly polishing his uh, his striking game. You know, he's he's a veteran in this sport. His striking looks better and better every fight. Uh, I don't know who the guys exactly he's working with in Orlando are, but they're doing good work with him, man. Like, he, he shows great head movement. In the last fight against Chris Wyman, yeah, he got busted up with the job a little bit too, but he was showing great head movement, especially for a guy who's primarily a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, in this fight against Jack Manson, you know, he's getting a guy who's a little bit more awkward in his style with his striking. Uh, he's going to use his length a little bit better. Um, but I think that, I don't think that Jack Hermanson wants to engage in the grappling here, which is where he's been able to shine in, the, in his last couple of fights, especially that quick, quick submission over David Branch. But somebody's put out a stat there again. Uh, Jack Souza since like 2008, has never had his guard pass since uh, he fought, uh, who the fuck did he fight? Jason Miller. So we know what to expect. Again, like I said, we know what to expect from Jack Souza on the ground. I don't know if Jack, I don't think that Jack Hermanson is going to want to fuck around, fuck around on the ground at all. Uh, and then, then it comes to the feet. And in, you know, Jacare has shown a lot of improvements in his striking, like I said, and it could be interesting. I can't really see Jack Hermanson completely, you know, outclassing Jacare on the feet for five rounds. He could definitely win some rounds here and there, but I think that Jacare is so much of a vet that he's going to be able to find a way to get a hold of Jack Hermanson, get this fight to the ground, and implement his grappling. Hermanson, you know, he's not a slouch when it comes to grappling or wrestling, so it's going to be a little bit of a, a challenge for Jack Ray to get this fight to the ground, but once it gets there, I think he's going to completely outclass Jack Hermanson there. Um, it's Earlier in the week, I was really leaning Jack Hermanson and thinking that there's a lot of value at plus 170-ish. Um, again, I don't hate anybody that made that bet, but Jack Ray, I think he's going to come through here. I think Jack Ray is just going to put everybody back on notice, you know, show he deserves a title shot, um, you know, completely decimate Jack Hermanson, in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, I think Jack's got this. Or sorry, I think uh, Jack Ray's got this. Jack, Jack Ray, can't blame me, all right? Um, I really think that uh, Jack Ray has this. I think he's going to find a way to eventually get Jack Hermanson against the cage, drag him to the floor, implement his uh, jiu-jitsu, and possibly even get a submission here. I can see this one going five rounds. Um, the the path to victory, I think, for that is for Hermanson here is to uh, catch Jacare on the feet because we have seen him hurt against Chris Weidman. Uh, and I think he has this, the length and the awkwardness to cause Jacare a little bit of issues on the feet and possibly catch him with something he, he doesn't see coming. But I think the more likely outcome here is Jacare, you know, surviving anything that Jacare, uh, Jack throws on the feet, get this fight to the ground and get a submission. So I will go with Jacare Souza. As much as I really want to see Jacare Manson win, though, but I think that uh, Jacare is going to have his number here, and it might just show that uh, Jack Manson has a little bit of a ceiling when it comes to maybe he deserves to be maybe top five. But, you know, the Yoel Romero's, the Jacare Souza's, the Robert Whitaker's, maybe even Kelvin Gaston, if you want to throw him in there, Israel Adesanya, those guys are going to have 
uh, a decent time against Jack Hermanson. Then again, Jack Hermanson against Israel Adesanya is a vi- Adesanya is a very intriguing stylistic matchup. So I hope we get to see eventually see that one eventually uh, down the road. Eventually, 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 eventually. I know I said it a lot there, <laughs> but my pick is going to be Jacare Souza by let's say third round submission. And blam, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, let's see. Tape Index is on Newsom's website. As you guys already know, it's the one-stop shop for you guys if you guys need something for uh, for gambling purposes, preparations, I should say. We have all their fight links, every opponent or every fighter's uh, links from the last couple fights, whether it's a direct link to Fight Pass to their video page or it's a direct link to YouTube, Yuku, whatever I, whatever depths of the interwebs I'm able to, to scour and find these fights in. Uh, I try to get them to you guys through the tape index. We also have their fight metric page, which is now called UFC Stats. So you guys can quickly click on that. Boom, it's right in front of you. And uh, their Instagram page. So if you're not following them, you can just quickly click on their page and hit follow from there as well. Um, yeah, man, I think that we're doing a great thing with that, with the tape index. Um, and I can't wait to keep bringing it to you guys. I should have UFC Ottawa done by the time you guys have listened to this. So make sure you guys check that out on Newsom we- Newsom's website. Uh, other than that, Lock Fight League. Uh, week three is going to be today, which is Wednesday when this episode drops. Um, and then next season, I've teased it before. I'm going to tease it again. Uh, we're going to go into actual players against players playing against each other. So we're going to be moving away from the CPU simulated format that I've been using thus far. And I think I've come up with a fair set of rules, game plans, and regulations that I'm going to dish out to you guys very soon. Uh, but we're going to have a buy-in. We'll have as many people as we can sign up, and then I'll create a season schedule, a tournament schedule, playoffs, and then we pay out the top three. or who, However many guys there are, I'll figure out a skill that we're able to pay these guys out. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be fucking sick. I'm super stoked. I got a lot of visions for this and for the LFL, especially when we're making it real players against each other. And I'm going to make it a fun experience as much as I can, so I'm super stoked for that. Um, what else do I got? So... Combat Stores is going to be back next week as well. Me and Tony are going to be recording that. Uh, I'll be going on vacation the second week of May, so I'll be sure to record it before I leave and send it out to you guys for your listening pleasure. Uh, but I'm having a lot of fun with that. That's going to be a little bit more uh, consistent as well, going from monthly to hopefully bi-weekly. Uh, really excited about that one. And, uh, yeah, that's really about it, man. i got to get the fuck back on track. You know, been a rough last two events. But I'm really liking what I'm seeing for uh, UFC Sunrise here. A lot of good spots like you guys have heard earlier in the podcast. Uh, And again, feel free to hit me in the comments below. Like, subscribe, thumbs up, do whatever the fuck YouTube asks you. uh, Spotify asks you because you guys are listening through that. Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that shit. Just support a brother. You know what I mean? Show me that there's some love out there. That's it. (laughs) I'm not asking for no money. Just (laughs) just hit subscribe. That's it. Just show me that you love me. Um, Yeah, man. that's, that's, That's pretty much about it. Again, MMA, L-O-T-N on Twitter. Make sure you guys hit me up. And uh, just, I'm always down to talk on the DMs there too. So if you guys have anything uh, that you want to talk about in terms of some of the bets that I have or, or takes that I have, hit me up. I'm always down to talk. All right, well, that's pretty much about it. The next one we're going to have is UFC Ottawa, headlined by Cowboys Ronnie and now I Quinta. Really looking forward to breaking that down with you guys. And I got something cool to share with you guys for that episode. So I'm really looking forward to taking this podcast more and more and more and more. So it's going to be more of a visual experience. So who, as long as you guys watch this on YouTube, fucking great. If you're watching it on uh, or if you're listening to it through a podcast, it might be a little bit harder to follow along. But uh, I'll try to make it as interactive and, and, and informative as possible. But that's about it. 
I'm done. We out. Later.